We're so excited for this episode today. Meg and I have both been fortunate to experience breastfeeding our kids, and it's a topic we're both really passionate about. I have breastfed all three of my girls. Meg breastfed her daughter, Emmy, for 18 months. During our respective journeys, we noticed that there are so many differences, not only person to person and things that we were experiencing, but also within each breastfeeding journey for the same person. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about some of the challenges and differences we've experienced through breastfeeding our babies. So I want to start by asking you, Meg, if you did anything to prepare for breastfeeding Emmy and if you felt prepared for your breastfeeding experience? Um, no and no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that when I, and it, it was the same thing when I just started trying to conceive is that I think I went into it like naively. And I, I think sometimes like being naive in situations can be almost a good thing because you're naive to some negative things that, that can happen in situations that you might not know you could be getting yourself into. But I think with this, it was totally like more of a negative type. So I like kind of went into it just thinking that it would like either happen or it wouldn't almost, right? Like, because I think I I was not breastfed, so I couldn't really reach out to my mom about it. And in this journey, I I had you, right? And then I had one other friend who had, I think she had like, he was like five or six months old and Emmy was born. And that was pretty much it for like people that I could directly reach out to. So, but, but also for some reason, like I did not take a breastfeeding class and I don't know why, like nothing really jumps out at me as to like why I didn't do it. And of course, in hindsight, I wish I would have, because I think you take it and you learn so much and you're so much more prepared. Nothing prepares you for like actually doing it right. Like you can learn so much and read so much and like practice positions, I guess, with like a baby doll and whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. But Mm-hmm. And I think that me, at least having known that information, I think would have been very helpful because of course there are lactation consultants at the hospital and lactation consultants that you can, you know, contact once you're home and everything. But I went into it. Like I thought I was just going to like, you know, have a vaginal birth and I went into it and ended up with a C-section. And then after that, I remember, I think it was like, I was in the recovery room and I have a picture Dean took it of her nursing for the first time. And it was just like, uh, I think the colostrum was coming out anyway. So I don't even yeah. know if she even had to have like much of a latch, but I think it started like, it was just such a whirlwind. And all I remember is like, somebody told me to try to do the football hold. Cause I had the C-section. So I didn't want to have her body like on my, you know, on my incision. So I had her like, football hold, which to me, I didn't really feel like it was that comfortable and her body so tiny, like it was a football hold. Also, I was like, wow, maybe I should have learned what the, the, you know, different ways you can breastfeed, like what the the positions are called. I was very uninformed and I regret that fully. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because even when I asked the lactation consultant, when she came in to the hospital to visit me, like she was not really that helpful. And she wasn't very nice to me. Um, and I kind of, it kind of made me, honestly, it kind of made me feel like dumb because it was like, she kind of like took Emmy's head, like kind of forcefully, like, obviously she wasn't like injuring her, but she like grabbed her head and just like shoved it onto my boob. And then like a couple minutes later, like left. And then I heard her with her conversation. I was sharing a room at the time. I didn't have a private room and there was like a sheet between us. I could hear everything. 
And the mom next to me was like a third time mom and was asking very direct questions, very specifically. And like the lactation consultant knew exactly how to help her. And I remember feeling like almost like helpless and kind of like alone and wondering why she wasn't able to help me. And then I was like, am I not asking the right way? It was just a whirlwind anyway, when you first have a baby and then breastfeeding on top of that, it was a lot. So I will say for someone who took a course, Corn and I went together. We took a course at our hospital. I still struggled for the first six weeks at breastfeeding. So yes, the course prepared me to have an idea of different holds and how can the partner help support you? And I don't even remember. I remember we both were like, wow, that was so informative. But like you said, the you can prepare all you want. You're not going to have all the answers right away. And every baby is going to be different. So even as a third time mom, when I had Cece, I still asked for the lactation consultant to come in Yeah, and I'm still like, can you check my latch? Can you help me? And, and every time I had a lactation consultant with each baby, they did that same thing with the head where they like grab the head and like shove it on. As soon as the baby opens up wide, they're like, okay, get in there for the latch, which, you know, as a new mom, you're like, oh my gosh, they're so fragile. What are you doing? But they do it with babies all the time. So I will say, even if it's a regret, I would say it's probably, it's great to take a course and to be prepared, but you could still struggle. And even as a second time mom, you could struggle because every baby and every baby's mouth is different. Some babies are lazy. And also how they came into the world can come into play as well. And also your supply can, can be mm-hmm. a factor. I don't remember which day it was like, cause I was in the hospital four days and I think I had to have my catheter in an extra 24 hours. So I wasn't able to actually like get up out of bed and even like, you know, go over to like change her diaper really for an extra day. So that in itself was hard. But I remember when I was able to walk, so it must've been like day three after the lactation consultant had come and I was walking over and the nurse, nurse, Michelle, never forget her. She was like the most wonderful woman. These nurses are like, they're amazing. My, my nurse at least was next level. So she's giving Emmy a bath in the sink and like showing Dean, my husband showing me. And all of a sudden she's like, Oh, she has a, a pretty serious tongue tie. Oh, wow. And at the time I was just like, Oh, okay. Like I, did not know much about tongue ties, I guess, kind of like, why would I right? like, I, I don't know. But now thinking back on it, I'm like, is that something that the lactation consultant could have maybe like pointed out? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. because I know that can cause some pain and some latch issues. And it's so interesting, because like, I don't have another breastfeeding journey to compare it to like, it's not like I have a baby with a tongue tie and a baby without a tongue tie. So I think that it may be her latch was like a little shallow and a little painful. And I'm surprised because like she can stick her tongue out and it's like almost like a heart shape at the end of it. Oh, so it's really? pretty tight. And we, and we didn't get it yeah, adjusted. Revised. The pediatrician at the time was like, I, we were not going to advise you to get it revised right now. And then, you know, as, as long as it's not causing speech issues, which it's not, um, then it's totally fine. But I remember, of course, in the beginning, like everybody goes through like one, especially with your first child, right? Like you get home from the hospital and you're like, okay, I gotta, gotta do this all by myself. Yeah. And then once you get home from the hospitals, when it kind of starts like, you know, like chafing a little bit and like, that's when the nipple butter comes in handy. And I definitely remember like that pain and being like, oh my gosh, like I can't be braless in a t-shirt because it was, it would just be like, 
but I don't really, I don't necessarily remember it like really like hurting, but I think I'm wondering if maybe it was like a little bit more of a pinch than like a typical latch would be. You were recovering from a C-section and you were dealing with that Mm -hmm. because that pain, yeah, (laughs) because I know with each, all three times, the initial first two weeks probably was so painful for me that, that I pretty much always didn't have a bra or a shirt on unless I was pumping and needed the bra to hold it up. Um, but I always had a shirt off. I would use um, the silver rats nipple butter, or I would just kind of like express a little milk and rub it on. But it was always so painful for me. Every time out, they would latch at first, I would like do a little yelp. It was so painful every time. And every time I would see a lactation consultant, they would say that the latch was fine that, you know, they were flaring their lips and it looked fine. And also the other thing is because I have an oversupply, they're like, yeah, your baby's gaining weight. And that's the other thing is when your baby's gaining weight and they're getting milk and they would come in and there might be like a little milk dribble on their face. So like even the pictures I have from Scotty in the hospital, she has like milk, dried milk around her mouth. And the lactation consultant, I remember her saying, she's like, wow, she's really getting milk. If she has enough that it like dribbles onto her face, but that doesn't necessarily mean she has a good latch. That could just Mm -hmm. mean that my production. So there's just so much that goes into it. And the lactation consultants, at least at the hospital I was at, they come in for like 10 minutes. It's not like they're spending an hour with you. Um, And that's why I think even if you do prepare, you don't know what you're going to get with your baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like you can prepare to an extent and then like you prepare for labor, right? Like you can prepare for labor. And then once it happens, you're kind of like, oh shit, like this is, this is actually how it goes down. And then you can talk on it afterward because you've actually lived it. And you're like part of that, like experience that you share with other people who have done it. But I also remember, I don't know if I ever told you this, or I definitely told you this part, but so because of my C-section, I had, and Dean went home. So I was sharing a room and there was no bed for him. So he went home every night because we live in the city. So it was like an easy subway ride home. And then he would just come back the next morning. So he was like feeding the cats or whatever. So I, because I had my C-section and I had to have the catheter and extra, I physically couldn't like get up to even like change her diaper in the middle of the night. So I had her in the nursery. I remember feeling like a little bit of guilt and like confusion because I didn't know if like a lot of people did that. And like, you know, you're so hormonal and confused and like, it's just a whirlwind. And then I was like, do I need to pump? Like, it was all just so confusing to me. And I'm like, do I need to give her formula? And like the nurse was like, no, there's no medical reason that she needs to have any formula right now. Like all she needs is X amount of milk from you. And it would, you know, the little colostrum was enough. I was just kind of hand expressing. And then I would, I, in the hospital, remember pouring the milk directly into her mouth from like a little tiny bottle and she just like drank it right away. And I was just like, it was very confusing to Mm -hmm. me. I love that your nurse didn't have you give her formula because I think that's something that I've heard. I'm not a lactation consultant. So this is just my anecdotal is that the right word um from what i've heard from people telling me friends i know who've had 
their breastfeeding journeys stop earlier than they would have liked is it even starts all the way from in the hospital. So the whole thing with breastfeeding is it's supply and demand. So the more you remove milk, the more you're going to make milk. And that starts right away. So if you have your baby go to the nursery for, you know, whatever reason, if you have to, because you can't take care of her because you have a C-section or you want to get a little extra sleep, some hospitals do that. But if you sleep through that whole first night and you don't express at all, you're not telling your body to make milk. Mm -hmm. And so that can set you back. And so you really, at my hospital, they're like every two hours, you need to put the baby on the boob. That's going to trigger your milk to come in. So obviously the placenta leaving your body is part of that. That sends the signal, but also removing milk is going to help bring that production up. And so some women don't do that or they um, give formula because they want to sleep, which is totally fine. But I think people don't know. How would you know that if you've never experienced it before? And it's really easy. I have a friend who she brought her baby home and, and she was, her baby started sleeping through the night very early on. And she didn't pump at all in the night. And she's like, my supply dipped. The baby was losing weight. So they started supplementing with formula and she had to do power pumping and all these things to get her supply back up. But it reminded me of you that you pumped through the night till Emmy was how old, like a really long time. I, <laughs> I pumped even when she started sleeping through the night. I pumped every single night until she turned one. And it was the night of her first birthday. And I was like, let me just not try this tonight. And that is the day that I put I didn't put the pump away because I was still pumping at work. But that was like the day that I retired nighttime pumping. Yeah. And that too was like I know there's so much information out there, but there really is no handbook for it because every single situation is so different. And my hospital, for example, the nurses was like, the nurse was like, listen, there's no medical reason for you to give her formula. And she was very, you know, very understanding and very supportive. And they ended up bringing Emmy to me. It was every like two to three hours overnight from the nursery. And they would bring her into me or like, I remember calling them from my bed being like, can I, can I have my baby? It was the strangest. And then she would come back and nurse. And then I, which it's great that they do that because if not, yeah. how are you going to establish that? And, you know, some women might have to pump for the uh, once a night till they're one, but others, you might be able to drop that at six weeks or eight weeks or mm-hmm. whenever your supply is a bit more established and it doesn't completely tank, but it looks so different for everyone. And it's interesting. I actually did want to talk a little bit about supply because I think this is an area where you and I have different supplies. I've been an over producer for the majority of my breastfeeding journeys. And I think I would say from what you've told me that you're more of, I wouldn't say just enougher because you, you've made enough and you were able to store some, but you weren't pumping tons and tons of milk. You were pumping enough for Emmy to have milk the next day. Mm -hmm. And and maybe when you use your Hakka, you would have a little bit more. And me, when I In the beginning of my breastfeeding journey for each kid, I would pump like 70 ounces in a day on top of feeding the baby. And I'm just putting that out there because it's different for every single person. And and I think there's just kind of this perception online in 
Facebook groups and on Instagram that you see women who show their bottles of how much milk they're pumping. And if you don't get that, you're like, wow, I'm not producing enough for my baby. But that's really not an indicator if your baby's getting enough. You also might not respond to a pump the same way as your baby. And and what's a better indication if your baby is getting enough is if they're growing and they're staying on their growth curve and things like that. Um, But I wanted to ask you about supply and, and if there were points where when you looked at what you were pumping or were were you having concerns about your supply? Yes, absolutely. And it's when I came to, I went to visit Molly, you, um, <laughs> when you had, how old was Nix when I came to visit? The first time. She was, had just, was still on she was like weeks leave. old. Yeah. 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 Yep. So she was like weeks old and I went mm-hmm. out to visit. It was my spring break for work. I was teaching preschool at the time. And I remember like Molly when she says she was pumping every like X amount of hours, it was no joke. Like I got there. I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm going to help. Like, what can I do? But I, and I was so proud of you. The thing that really threw me off with that situation is that you were my only friend other than my other friend, Christina, who I mentioned before, who had a baby. Right. So like I went to visit Molly, she was newly postpartum. She was just like pumping, like banging it out, like full bottles of milk. And I was just like, to me, like I had nothing else to compare that to. So I was just like, oh, that just must be what people do. Like you breastfeed and you can pump and then you pump that much milk and then you store it. And it's just like, that must be what it is. Like not realizing that you are just like oversupplier queen and not realizing, because at the time I didn't have a baby and I wasn't pregnant. So not realizing that like, that was not going to be the norm for me. That is not not the norm. Not the norm for the majority of people. Yeah. So then when I had Emmy, I remember the doctors and nurses saying to me, so I went through labor, dilated 10 centimeters all on my own. So my body almost thinks that I went through a vaginal birth, which is what my OB actually said that I would be a good candidate for a VBAC one day because my body actually thinks that I like did it all. And because of that, my milk came in faster than they usually see someone with a C-section get their milk in, which I felt like was, yeah, it was, it was really encouraging and so exciting mm-hmm. and so great. Right. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. nursing her and getting like an inch of colostrum and the, the haka was so excited. And then when we went for her initial checkups and her, we ended up having to do weigh-ins because she was oh. gaining like just enough to stay mm-hmm. on her, her growth curve. Mm-hmm. And I remember the pediatrician being like, okay, when she nurses, is she emptying the breasts? And I'm like, and it's such a whirlwind. And I'm like, I, I think so. Like, yes. And it was a lot. And we had to do, I want to say at least four extra visits to make sure that she was gaining her weight. And because of that, and because I was exclusively breastfeeding, I felt so much more pressure to be like making sure that I'm making enough milk to you know, make sure that she's gaining weight and staying healthy because at that point, when you're exclusively breastfeeding, like you are 100% responsible for feeding your child and literally like keeping them alive. Yeah. Right. Like to put Which it very bluntly. Mm-hmm. So that feeling for me, I remember feeling so insanely anxious about it because I was like, if she's not getting weight and she's getting these weigh-ins and I'm, I'm breastfeeding and it was really hard for me to figure out you know, me recovering from a major surgery, me, you know, having this first baby at home and then trying to figure out like regular feeds and then this 
this weird that I don't even know where it came from, like this pressure and this feeling to like start a stash in the freezer. Right. So I'm like, I need to make sure that she's having enough, but should I be pumping and should I be stashing some away? And that kind of stuff is like so individualized and it is so situational. And it is like, you are the only one who knows your body and you are the only one who will produce X amount of milk for your baby. And I eventually just think it was one of the weigh-ins. My doctor was like, you got it. You did it. Like, what have you changed? And I was like, I, I don't even think it was anything other than like, we finally, like Emmy and I finally just like clicked. I think it was like feeding routine was okay. She was nursing. Okay. I understood, you know, like my breasts and the breastfeeding journey a little bit more. Yeah. But it took a few weeks, I think. And she was like just gaining enough weight. And it was really scary in the beginning because also feeling pressure to want to be successful at breastfeeding. Yeah. It's so, yeah, you had said where this pressure about building a freezer stash. I think that's Mm -hmm. part of it. I mean, you have me on one hand who, you know, (laughs) who has like an insane stash. And I do remember Mm -hmm. there was one point where I was like, do you want me to ship you milk? Yep. I'll (laughs) never forget that. Yeah. I was like, we can figure it out because, you know, there is just this pressure. I mean, around breastfeeding in general. So it's out there like fat is best, which is absolutely true. And if you have to formula feed, that's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's there, but I am right there with you that I remember feeling that pressure with Nix and it, it wasn't even just about giving her breast milk, but for me, it was like successfully breastfeeding mm-hmm. out yeah. of my boob not using breast milk and putting it in a bottle. And so there's this pressure, but then you have the added pressure of, is she gaining weight? Am I keeping my baby alive? Is she getting enough? And then also I want to build a freezer stash because that's what I should be doing. But that's another thing where you had said, when you came to see me, I was pumping with Nix, my first baby. When you came to see me every two hours, I would feed her and I would pump. Why I did this, I have no idea. No one told me to do this. No one said, this is what you need to do. But I just was making so much milk. It would spray her in the face. She would only nurse on one side. So I was like, I have to do this to kind of maintain. And then it drove me nuts. And I just kept doing it. I don't know why. And then with Scotty, I pulled back a little. And now with Cece, I pump four times a day, which is not a lot for me. And I just think in general, there's just so much pressure around breastfeeding because there's lack of information and there's not a lot Mm -hmm. of support. I mean, there's tons of fantastic resources on Instagram, tons of free resources, and then there's tons of lactation consultants out there. But it's one of those things like you don't know until you know, and until you're Mm -hmm. in the moment where your doctor might say, or the pediatrician might say, okay, she's not gaining weight. What are you doing? What can we change? I don't want to take a wait and see approach. This is like her life. Yeah. This is her, mm-hmm. her health. What do I do? How do I get support? And then it creates anxiety around it. And yeah, it's really hard. And I think that's where, when you see people with freezer stashed and you see these people with pumped huge bottles of milk and, you know, we run love baby and toddler Instagram and TikTok, And I have some videos of, of milk and I always hesitant to put it out there 
because yeah. I don't want people to look at that and be like, why am, why am I not doing that? And why does this look different? And mm-hmm. so I think it's helpful to see that you can still have a successful breastfeeding journey, even if you're not building this huge freezer stash, or you can have a successful breastfeeding journey, even if you need to add in formula too, or you can pump exclusively. There's so many ways to do it. If that's what you choose, if that's not what you choose, that's okay too. But I think that's the other thing is there's this pressure around saying, don't worry. If you don't want to breastfeed, just give formula. Like you don't even have to worry about breastfeeding. And that's true too. But for some people, they really want to make it work. And it's like, why are you putting so much pressure on yourself to make it work? Just let it go. Just there's other options. You and I are both very, very, um, competitive beings. We're very (laughs) competitive by nature. That's like just, I I think a quality that both of us have like deeply ingrained inside of us. And I think part of it had to do with that, right? Like I wanted to be successful at it. I wanted to be like good at it. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. And I think that added to the pressure of it because I know so many people who chose not to breastfeed to prioritize their mental health because they tried it and they tried it. And it just was so insanely difficult physically, mentally. And I respect the hell out of them for that. Right. Yeah. And I think it got to the point with Emmy where I was like, finally nursing her. We were in a flow. Like she was gaining a little bit of weight. She still was, you know, a little small, but definitely she was on her curve. We were so proud. And that's when I started to be like, okay, like maybe I'll stash, I could stash a little bit away. And then I started only using, so I would nurse her on both sides. And then I would use the haka afterward on either side. And maybe I would get an ounce, but that ounce I would put directly in a milk bag right into the freezer. And that was like one more ounce of milk that I had that I could, could keep. But I also want to say that I was always, and I'm like still confused about this <laughs> about when everybody, especially in the early days when everyone's like, okay, so you just like pump to replace a feed mm-hmm. makes so much sense. So like, if she's not on the breast to feed, or I'm not there if I'm going out to like get lunch or have an hour or two, like to myself. My problem was always if I am nursing her every two hours Mm -hmm. and she's getting just enough milk, when am I going to fit in that extra pumping session to take the milk out to feed her in the future when she's just getting enough every nursing session. And that to me still doesn't make. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's where if you're really ju- just enough or it's, you might have to have that first bottle be a formula feed because then the next mm-hmm. time, so let's say you're going back to work and you weren't able to build up, let's say 24 ounces ahead of time. But if you were doing a haka on the other side and getting one ounce every time and built that up over yeah. 24 days, it it would be enough. Um, but that's Mm -hmm. not going to be the case for everybody. But then when you're at work that next day and you replace those feeds, that's your milk for the next day. Um, so I don't know if you're just enough or where you get that initial aside from like what you just said, or you Mm -hmm. could do a power pumping session or try in the middle of the night. If she's sleeping through the middle of the night to use that. Um, so like you said, I think it's very individualized. It's going to look different for every single person on what that journey looks like. And I know plenty of moms who are like, I'm not even going to worry about that. I'm going to give them formula when I'm away because Mm -hmm. I don't want to worry about that. I'm going to just use formula and that's fine too. I think whatever works for you and your baby, that's what matters. It really does look different for everyone. I think that's what's important to remember is it's, it's going to look different 
for each person and each baby could look different too. It does. And I want to segue this into a question. I want to ask you this question because I, I think I know what your answer will be. It'll be interesting to talk about. So I nursed Emmy, um, the pandemic hit and she was just turning one. And at that point I was teaching preschool and I was like, okay, I'm going to pump at work until she's one. And then I think I can, you know, stop building the freezer stash, which honestly the most painful, saddest thing in the, the craziest, most emotional experience was realizing that like breast milk expired that she hadn't used. So I was like, I worked my ass off how many hours of the night, how many days, right? Like throughout that entire year for milk to expire, whatever, besides the point that just was crushing to me. So I wanted to mention that. Then the pandemic hit and I was like, okay, I have a goal of breastfeeding her for 12 months. And I ended up nursing her until she was almost 19 months. And I was like, my mindset was like, if I get COVID and at least she'll have my antibodies, right? So I was like, I'll just keep nursing her. And then, so she ended up, and it was, I'm so fortunate to have had this happen is that she fully weaned herself. Okay. So it was like, I was nursing her three times a day. It would be like morning, nap time, bedtime. And at that point, after the whole year hit, I stopped pumping in the middle of the night, a huge, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> a huge victory for me. And then slowly she stopped. The last one that she dropped was the morning feed, which I was surprised by. I thought it would be the nighttime, but Dean started, Dean started doing bedtimes. And then that totally just made it so much easier. And then nap time nursing didn't have to happen. And then the morning, there was one morning that she kind of just like, like I put her in position and she kind of like would turn her head away. And it was a few weeks of like, sometimes she would do it. Sometimes she wouldn't. And then finally, like it was to the point where I like took her out of the crib and we came out into the living room and it kind of, she weaned herself. And I am just so incredibly fortunate to have had it end that way. And I was so emotional about it because you work your ass off 19 months in the beginning. She's not gaining weight. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And finally, like we crushed it. And then she was able to kind of be the one to end it in her own way, which I thought was beautiful. So emotional. I'm like tearing up now, but you had different experiences with each of the girls. I remember like Emmy, Emmy never put up like a fight or like a strike, whatever, like a boob strike. We never went through that. We never, it was just like beginning to end, you know, the beginning was rocky. And then toward the end, when she weaned herself, it felt like such a really nice, like tied up in a bow. This journey is done for us. What was your experience with that? So, yeah, I always call it a breastfeeding journey because for Uh me, (laughs) it was a journey. Each time has been so different. And with Nick's, the first six weeks were really rough. And I don't know if it was the oversupply. I don't know if it was just the latching issues, but for the first six weeks, I probably cried every time I fed her. And pretty early on, maybe like around week two, I started giving her a bottle. I would pump and I would put it in a bottle because I was like just crying. Every time I went to feed her, she was crying. We were both frustrated. And from that point on, she preferred a bottle. There were definitely times she would nurse, especially in the middle of the night or early in the morning. But if the sun was out, she did not want to nurse. I never nursed her in public. I nursed her one time ever out in public. And the rest of the times, and maybe a couple of times in the car, but never just out, really gave her mostly bottles. And that was really hard for me because I wanted to breastfeed her. And I know pumping and bottle feeding is still breastfeeding, but I wanted to actually breastfeed her. 
I remember at six months, she had a hard nursing strike and that lasted probably from like, or might've been before. And it was like three months to six months, a three month period where she didn't nurse at all, but I would try every single day. And every day I would cry and get so frustrated. And then from six months to 10 months, she would nurse here and there. And at 10 months, she weaned herself and was like, I don't want to do it anymore. Just like you described with Emmy. I was very sad about it. And I was still pumping, but I had two deep freezers full of milk and was like, what am I pumping for? I have enough milk to last till she's 16 months. There's no need for me to pump anymore. She's not breastfeeding. I'm not. And the only reason why I was still pumping really was to keep up my supply for when she would nurse. So with Nick, she fully weaned herself at 10 months. And I just gave her breast milk in a cup and in a bottle until she was 16 months. Scotty, um, she refused a bottle for the first five months. So she was the complete opposite. She only would nurse. And I was, it was exhausting. I was like, okay, you need to take a bottle. I need a break. And this, she was a pandemic baby. So I was with her all the time. There's really no need for her to take a bottle, except for I didn't want to exclusively breastfeed. I wished for that. And then I was like, careful what you wish for type of thing. (laughs) And so we finally got her on a bottle and she did like both. And it was fine until I got pregnant with Cece when Scotty was, I think like six months old and my milk supply dropped. So I went from someone who, like I said, I pumped a lot. I produced a lot of milk to pumping and only getting one ounce between the two boobs. And so I would pump in the day to just keep a little supply up so she could nurse at night and in the morning. And then I would give her bottles of frozen milk for the day. And so I did experience having no milk come out of me for six months while she was still nursing. She nursed up until her first birthday. And it was the same type of thing you explained with Emmy where she was just kind of done. And I was like, okay, this is it. I was actually hoping to tandem nurse because I was pregnant. I was due in May with Cece and Scotty would have been, um, she was 15 and a half months apart. So I would have still nursed Scotty, but when she turned 12 months, she was like, I'm done. So there were those three months there that I kind of fully dried up. Oh, I was okay. Scotty weaning because I was pregnant anyways. And it was just like, whatever. Yeah. And CC this knock on wood, um, this breastfeeding journey has just been a dream with her from the very beginning. The, my supply took a little bit longer to come in just because I had a lot of bleeding after the birth. But after that, you know, it, I pump a lot less. I mentioned I pump four times a day if I'm away from home and it, enough to keep my supply up. I donate milk and um, she nurses if I want to nurse her. She takes a bottle if I don't. And it's just been amazing. So I have no intentions of weaning her anytime soon. I have no idea when I'm when that will happen. If she will do it on her own, I'll probably be really sad because yeah, you know, I that'll be my last time breastfeeding. But it it has been just amazing this time. And so um yeah, that's, that's what that looks like for me. I do have one more question, which you kind of just mentioned, and I'm happy you didn't go into it. Cause I want to ask you directly. We, I now have very different experiences with me having only Emmy, you having Nick's the first time, then Scotty, then Cece. I want to talk about breastfeeding in public. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because for what I guess I'll start, um, for whatever reason, I had absolutely no problem nursing her in public from when she was born until 
19 months old when she weaned herself. I remember, I, I think it also probably started just, I hated, I, I, sorry, I love the people that invent all of these things that are so helpful for so many people. I did not enjoy nursing covers, the stretchy ones that go all the mm-hmm. way over me They're and suffocating. over her head. And then making sure she's like not sweating and making sure she's breathing and looking at her latch. And I was just like, what am I even using this thing for? So unless it was freezing cold, I would like put a blanket over her if it was cold outside. But in living in New York City, we would be on the go like frequently. So I would be like taking her to Whole Foods in the middle of shopping at Whole Foods. She's screaming and crying. I had like absolutely no shame, did not care. There is no shame associated with it anyway, but you know what I mean? I know there are so many people who want that privacy for their own reasons, but outside, inside someone else's apartment, a store, literally anywhere, I would just be like, I have to feed my baby and I don't care what anybody in the world thinks about it. And I know that you were very different and I feel like each journey for you kind of like, like lessened and lessened, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it also has to do with the baby because with Nyx, she had to be in, like I said, she preferred the bottle. So it had to be a dark room. It had to be the right temperature. It had to be the right shade in there. She couldn't have any distractions or else she would flail around and cry. And I didn't want to deal with that in public because Mm -hmm. I would get frustrated and I would start crying. And I ended up always just wanting to give a bottle. So I would always just pump when we were out and give her a bottle because it was just easier. And also I have a very large chest. So for me, (laughs) when I breastfeed in public, people might think my boobs are suffocating my baby because I don't have, you know, we are all just different sizes. And I think that's the other thing for me to, to be comfortable with my body, which we can do a whole separate issue on that and postpartum bodies. But I'm not someone who just kind of bounce back in air quotes, um, which I'm fine with now. It has taken me a lot longer to get there, but that is also part of the reason for me why I didn't ever want to breastfeed in public and why I just kind of felt like not doing it. Now with my third baby, I do not care. I am just like you. I will nurse wherever, whenever, if my baby needs to eat, I don't care. Um, the only time I am a little bit more covered up is around men in my family because I don't, I just, am like, I, they don't <laughs> need to see my chest, but, yeah. um, anywhere else out in public, like I walk through Disney, Disney world, holding CC while nursing her while walking to rides. I'm, I'm very comfortable doing it. And I've just come a long way in the journey to be able to do that and to feel more confident in myself and, and in breastfeeding in general. So it's so interesting too, because it's like, I think that for me being able to nurse her in public was, you know, I'm feeding my baby, so I don't care. But it also, I think looking back, like reflecting on it, it was like, it was empowering, right? Because it's like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this kind of thing. Like, and I finally, you know, started nursing her in public once we finally got our groove and that, and I also am not, um, a large chested woman. So I think that also helps. And we've talked about this many, many times. Is that like, I have never had larger than like an A cup my entire life since I started breastfeeding. So like, it wasn't too much of a, of a growth or of a difference, right? Like it was probably easier a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And she would just nurse both sides. And then like, that was it. So she was totally depends on the baby too. She was just like nurse one side, nurse the other done. 
totally fine. I have a picture of myself. It was our first trip. It was me, my husband, my sister, my mom, and Emmy was probably like three weeks old. And we were like, let's take a drive. Let's go to, we went to like two different stores and then ended up at Panera for dinner. And there's a picture of me and I'm sitting at the table at Panera. Like, you know, their booths look exactly. Yeah. I'm sitting at the booth. I have the nursing cover over me, but it's fully over my head too. Like, <laughs> like my own face covering my head because I'm like looking, I'm guessing like looking down at Emmy yeah, to make sure the yeah. laugh is okay. And the haka is on the table. And I'm like a three week postpartum, just like trying so hard just to nurse her in public. And I will never forget, like every time it comes up on my memories, I send it to my sister and I'm like, I have come such a long way. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to think about even like in your own journey and my journey, just where you are as a first time mom learning, not prepared, have no idea what you're getting yourself into to at the end of your breastfeeding journey, whenever that is and how far you've come and just what that looks like. And it it does. I do feel like I'll look, I take so many pictures of me breastfeeding because I just feel really proud of it. And I feel really proud of how far I've come with each of my kids and in being able to provide them with what they need to survive for the first year in their life. I mean, really keeping them alive and giving them all of their nutrients. Um, that's all me. So mm-hmm. I, I feel really proud of that, but I vividly remember we went out to eat with you and Dean and I was pregnant with Scotty and you probably know what I'm going to say, but mm-hmm. I remember Corin seeing you nurse in public and he's like, whoa, she's just like nursing Emmy right here at the table. <laughs> and he didn't the say it. Table. Yeah. He didn't say it in a way like, ew, what is she doing? Like he was so impressed that you had just done that. And at the time we only had Nick's and that was my journey. That was really hard. And I'm like, yeah, like it's amazing to be able to do that and to feel confident and also just feed your baby when you need to feed your baby and take care of both of you. It is cool to now see does not bat an eye when I just whip out a boob mm-hmm. and start feeding my baby. <laughs> I also feel like me nursing her in public made me feel, like I said, like prideful almost because of our kind of tumultuous, really tricky beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, in the hospital, the left, the lactation consultant. And I remember my mom stayed with us for a couple of weeks right after I had Emmy. And I remember her just being like, you are so patient because every single time Emmy went to latch or I went to feed her, she would scream. And she would just scream and scream. And I remember just being like, it's okay. It's okay. And just, I would just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And then finally she would latch on. And then eventually when it clicked, I remember the anxiety going away a little bit, right? Cause like when that anxiety goes away, there are many other things that made me anxious knocking right on the door, <laughs> like the pumping situation. At one point I wanted to mention this. I forgot. I took, um, fenugreek oh, okay. to try to boost supply a little bit. And I don't necessarily know if it boosted my supply that much. It might've done it like a tiny bit, but I don't remember noticing like a significant difference but it literally made me smell like maple syrup. I remember you telling me this. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah. For being like, I think, I think it's helping a little bit. Like I definitely smell like, <laughs> like a full on syrup. Um, but once things like even that, it's so hard to think of too, because it's like your brain really wants you to remember like the positives and the great things about childbirth and the great things about breastfeeding and you have to remind yourself that looking back on it, all the great memories are there, but it's like, 
it can be like really challenging and that's also be okay because on journey that's how you grow that. and yeah, absolutely yeah it was a huge huge journey for me and I think mm-hmm. getting to the end of it and having her wean herself was kind of just like a, a big exhale as emotional as it was because it's like um, you go through the mental of like I'm never gonna nurse her again and y- all of that it's just parenthood in general is just so mentally stimulating mentally draining incredible and it is just like a whirlwind of emotions almost every single day. I saw something on TikTok. I forgot what the video was and I can't credit the person because I literally don't remember what it was, but it was like me at 9.05 with a toddler. Like, oh, I love you so much. You're so cute. And then it was like me at 9.12. I need a minute to myself. (laughs) It really is like, you always see those memes that are like, me putting my kids to bed at, at bedtime and you're all crazy. And then three seconds after they fall asleep, me scrolling pictures of the day about how much I love my kid. And it's just so true. I mean, from the second they come into this world and you're sleep deprived and you're figuring out breastfeeding and roles and responsibilities with your partner, it's just such a roller coaster. But I do feel like one of the things I am just so proud of is breastfeeding and, and just all that. It's just amazing to me to be able to carry a baby for nine months, everything that goes into, and we can do a whole separate episode on that, but everything that goes to get into getting pregnant, carrying a baby, delivering a baby, and then keeping that baby alive is amazing. Yeah. And it is not something like that breastfeeding journey is never anything that I will like think of lightly. It's nothing that I like, you know, I don't take that for granted because I know how tricky my journey was from start to finish and yours too, and how different all three of yours have been, which I think is also like so incredibly fascinating. Because it's like like your birth, right? Like your first birth was not the same as your second and it sure was not the same as your third, right? each baby is different. Each experience is different. So I'm interested, you know, if I have another baby down the line, I'm interested very, I'll be very interested to see kind of like the, the path of that, yeah. how that journey will go. It, it's interesting too, when you have more babies, just your confidence, you, you know, more and you know, what works for you, for your body. And then it's just learning your baby and what's going to work yeah. for them. And so I think that's what helped me ease into each subsequent Um, breastfeeding journey was I knew myself a lot more. I knew what I was comfortable with. I knew what positions I liked. I knew how to maneuver that a little bit more. So that's what I feel like helped me. But obviously it, it, the the unknown is what the baby's going to be like. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to ask you a one question, almost finished. I swear with my question, number one, breastfeeding product or item. Ooh. Like if you could only choose one to be like, this is it. What is it? I have to, I have two. I have to have two. Earth Mama nipple butter, because in the beginning, you need something that is going to help the pain. And that is, I've tried a ton in that one. It's not sticky. The smell isn't bad. They have the organic one. It's hands down must have in the beginning. And then after that is a haka or some type of silicone suction pump to go on the other side to use in the middle of the night, to use when you're engorged and you're out at the Beyonce concert. (laughs) (laughs) 
that, you know, would be something that you, you know, I still use it 10 months out. I used it in the hospital on day one. And so those I'd have to have two and you can pack them wherever you go. What about you? All right. Well, I'm 100% going to agree with the Hakka because that was the main way that I was storing milk to begin Mm -hmm. with. And that was like really what helped me build like my little tiny stash little by little. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also specific to C-sections, having some kind of nursing pillow, whether it's a boppy, what what are the, what are the other ones? The boppy is the one that I use. Uh, Frida mom makes one one now. And also what's the one that clips like snaps. I had that one and it didn't work out for me. It has a pocket. My breast Breast. friend, breast breast pillow, breast friend. I think it's my, my breast friend. Yeah. No, that's an Instagram account. That I love my best friend. Oh, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> yeah. It's something like that, but it's funny you say that because that would be for me a like, not necessarily, not necessary product you don't need, but you know, and that's why everyone is different. Cause I didn't have mm-hmm. a C-section. So yeah, I didn't need and I that. remember like using it to perfectly, I would wrap it like the C shape of the bobby pillow. It would go around my side. So then when I was side nursing her, it gave her like little body, something to be propped up on when I would do side nursing. And then I remember when I started doing like more traditional holds in the front, what are they called? Like when it would just be like toward the front. Cross cradle and cradle. Yeah. That pillow would kind of relieve a little bit of the pressure on my Mm -hmm. incision area, which was sore for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I think, and I, I, I think everyone could use a haka and everyone could use some nipple butter too. Yeah. And, yeah, and also so we use the boppy a lot for um, bottle feeding. I would always put them in there once they could hold it. Yeah. That thing, that thing is amazing. It's, it's um, definitely a must have for, for motherhood, parenthood, fatherhood, whatever. Do you any, any kind of hood, do you have one moment that you will never forget whether it was like an incredible moment or just like an incredibly sad moment related to breastfeeding. What was like the time that you were like, wow, this is like low, low or a high, high. Yeah. I will say in general, and I've had this moment many times over with each of my kids, but when they are hysterical, when they're little babies and they have that little goat cry and they're hysterical and they latch on and they start drinking and you just see this calm come over them. Like you just like are exactly what they need in that moment. It is such a fulfilling feeling. And I actually remember telling you about this. I don't know if you remember, but I remember telling you this at some point I have mentioned this before, just, it feels so good to be exactly what your baby needs and I know even now when Cece's 10 months old and she's crying and I, I get her and, and I look down at them. And, and also I will say one thing I want to say is a lot of people say, it, I love breastfeeding. It's just so amazing. It's so great. I did not feel about breastfeeding that way until this baby, until my third time around. I did it. I was like, I have to do it for the first two. And I, it's still something I was always passionate about and I read a lot about, but I did not enjoy it at all. I was not like, oh my gosh, I could breastfeed forever. This time around, I just am so much more grateful and I have a much more different perspective for whatever reason, maybe because it's easier because I'm more experienced. I don't know, but don't be fooled into thinking that everybody 
feels that way about breastfeeding or meeting your baby for the first time, because mm-hmm. that's another thing. People are like, I met my baby and it was instant love. Well, that didn't happen for me. It did with the third. It didn't with the first each time it got a little bit stronger. And so I think those are the things that we see on social media and we're like, yeah, what's wrong with me? Why don't I feel that? Um, but anyways, that is something I have felt with all three that I look down and I'm like, I'm exactly what they need. And it just brings me such a great feeling. What about you? Well, all I can think about is the time <laughs> very early on <laughs> my dad was visiting. He was sleeping on the couch in the living room and right next, it's literally the table that my laptop is on right now. I'm talking mm-hmm. to you. There was a haka Ooh. with probably two ounces of milk. It wasn't like totally full. Hard it earned. Like, it was hard. Every drop of that is like liquid gold is like not, I don't take that phrase as a joke. It's very serious. <laughs> and and I had the haka and my dad like dropped something and he was like grumbling and like bent over to pick up whatever he dropped and knocked the haka all over the floor. And that was very early on in my breastfeeding journey. It was when I finally started to be able to collect a little bit of milk in the haka and I cried. I was so mad at him, which like, I like, should my anger really have been directed at him for accidentally knocking it over? Absolutely not. But it's like, those emotions you're so wrapped up in and how much anxiety there was and how much pressure I was like putting on myself to get this extra milk. And I had this, this process of like, okay, if the hot cook, like the milk can be the same temperature and it could be out of the fridge for this amount of time before you put it in the fridge. And like, that was maybe like my second time using it in the day. And I was about to put it in the bag and all of a sudden it's all over the floor. And I remember just being like, this is literally no use crying over spilled milk, whatever that don't cry over spilled milk, whatever that phrase is. I have cried over spilled milk. I will continue to cry over spilled yeah. milk. If I have another baby and I spill milk, I'll probably cry. Mm-hmm. But that to me yeah. was like, I should talk to my dad about that and be like, I'm sorry. I got yeah. it. <laughs> he probably, it was probably so insignificant to him because you I know were postpartum and there were other things going on, but it's such a core memory because yeah, it is so sad when you drop milk. Oh, that was brutal. That was like dagger in the heart. I'll never forget that. I'll call my dad tomorrow. And I think I was going to say, I agree with what you're saying in terms of like your kid is screaming and screaming and screaming. And that also I think connects back to like how it is just so it's just an emotional roller coaster every day, every hour, right? Like when they're screaming and screaming and screaming, and then you're flustered and all you want to do is feed them and they won't latch. And then all of a sudden they latch. And like you said, you see the calm come over their body. And then you, all of a sudden you go from like a hundred and you can go back down to like, maybe not zero, but maybe like, like 20 and be like, okay. So you know how, when you get really upset and you do the, (laughs) yeah. So Cece's at the point where she cries now and she'll do that. And if she's nursing, she was like hungry and I'm getting to her and she's doing that. She'll be nursing and, and calming down. And you'll just hear like between sucks. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my pain. And she slows down. Yes. Oh. And I'm just like, oh, it just, you know, and that's like, not that it wasn't special with Nixon Scotty, but this time around, it just, it's, it's really special to me. Yeah. And that's, I think absolutely amazing because I was 
with you on all yeah. three. And I remember hearing about everything from start to finish with all three babies. And I'm so happy for you that you're able to really have like a full positive experience of CC nursing. And I remember when you had Nyx and Nyx was doing like her boob strike, I had not maybe, I don't think I was pregnant with Emmy yet. Even if I was, I definitely, I had not given birth to her and I had not experienced breastfeeding it. Right. So like it is so difficult to not to say that you can't, but it is really hard to be there for somebody when they're going through something as specific as your child refusing to nurse if you yourself have not gone through it. And the other part that's hard for it, and I think this was really hard for Corn and I, is he's like, Molly, you are pumping enough to give her bottles. Just give her the bottle. Like, I don't yeah. understand why you're so upset and not in a mean way, but it's just so personal that Mm -hmm. it's hard for other people, even if they had kids to understand why I wanted the breastfeeding to work out. Mm -hmm. And so I, and I think there's so many topic parenthood and people just want to say either just wait till this happens or yep, I've been there. I've experienced that, or just give them the candy, just give them the TV, just do this, just do that. And it's, Everybody has their own reasons for things in it. And, and also yeah. with trying to conceive and trying to get pregnant, wh- when to say the right thing, how to say the right thing, it's going to look different for everyone. And a lot of times me as the receiver of information, I always am trying to remind myself, especially when I get in- advice from my mom or my in-laws is like, they have the best intentions. Their intentions yeah. are, mm-hmm. they want the best for me. They want the best for my child, even if I'm not agreeing with them they want the best for us. So I try to ground myself in that. I don't always do a good job, but as I'm getting older and I'm learning and I'm growing the people closest to me and in my life, I know that their intentions are good. But as someone who just gave birth and is freshly hormonal and postpartum, it's hard to receive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If it's, you know, Mm -hmm. even though people are trying to help you and you don't know what to say to them, it's just like, yeah, I got it. It's hard to keep yourself in that positive mindset, right? Mm -hmm. You know, now I'm like three years postpartum isn't even considered postpartum anymore. Now you're always postpartum (laughs) for the rest of your life. (laughs) Three years out. It's hard. It's so much easier for me now to look back and be like, I was definitely going through like some kind of postpartum anxiety. I definitely had trouble with X and I definitely this showed in this way. But when you are in that moment, living in those moments, and you're trying to figure out a how to keep this baby alive, how to keep them happy, how to keep your marriage alive, right? Like how to keep a solid relationship with your partner if you have a partner through this situation. There are a lot of moving parts. And then you know, with babies, as they're going month to month, even week to week, as soon as you feel like you've nailed something down, their schedule changes. Or they'll start not wanting to nurse anymore. Or like Emmy, I remember I was dream feeding her for a couple of months. And then all of a sudden when I, like, I wanted to stop dream feeding and then things just like totally shifted again. So it's like, it's just when something seems to kind of be like, okay, oh, there's a routine, there's this and there's that you're on your toes all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's like, even into toddlerhood. It, you know, as soon as you have it figured out, it just, it's like, no, you actually don't. You You have nothing figured out. (laughs) (laughs) Joke's on you. 
And now I'm just thinking to myself, like, maybe I should just be at peace with never figuring it out. Tomorrow could be different. You know, these, yeah. these kids are like, we can't figure then they're their own person if we're not here to control them and they, we we are going to raise them to be their own people so that's gonna yeah that happens from day one they're like mm-hmm. you know here to support them in yes. that right just like yes. growing to become their own people mm-hmm. which is so crazy like today we were on the bus on the way home from school and emmy wants to now like stand on the bus to like practice her balance because she's three and she thinks you know she's like so independent, so cool, and needs to test these things out. So I went to hold her hand today because the bus started moving and she was mm-hmm. like, she was in a tiny space. There's no way she would have fallen and actually hurt herself. And she was like, oh no, mommy, I don't need your hand for this. Aww. And I was just like, oh <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Is this is this the same baby that I'm telling my breastfeeding journey about? Um it's just hard too, because it's like you. I have a joke that I'm like, you're, you're never allowed to turn four. You're never going to be allowed to turn five. You're not allowed to turn six when each mm-hmm. birthday is going to be approaching because I'm like, I, it's such a balance between like being in disbelief and like not wanting your child to grow up and just being so proud of them for growing up and being their own person. Yeah. It's, it really is amazing that we go from being so proud that they had three poopy diapers in a day and you're checking it off on your list. Like, yay, they poop too. Ooh, was there a- was there a blue line? Was yes. there a burp? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, yes. They burped. And it's it's <laughs> just, you're so proud of those moments too. Then you see them and they want to stand up on their own on their bus. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's an amazing, parenthood is just wild. It's It's truly amazing. It is. It's a journey and it will continue to be a journey, right? Even when breastfeeding chapters are closed or, you know, know that that one year mark kind of rolls around and they become toddlers I guess entering the toddler phase but going back to breastfeeding there are like we had mentioned lactation consultants we can mention you know some of our favorite resources if anybody listening is looking for breastfeeding support we'll link a few of our favorite resources in the show notes I'm pointing as if anyone can see me (laughs) the show notes down (laughs) down there (laughs) And we can share also on maybe our Instagram stories or Instagram page too, a lot of the resources that we use and that are very useful. And then also we have posted and we'll continue to post some breastfeeding favorite of ours. We want to thank everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love, we'd love for you to subscribe, give us a review. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at love baby and toddler. Bye.